It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college football is Kelly Ford from TheLines.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. How about we jump right on in and talk about the Michigan Wolverines? All distractions aside, Michigan is looking like a darn good football team, but now they face Penn State. Michigan's a four and a half point favorite. Total is 45 and a half for BetMGM. How do you see this game playing out? And by the way, with all these distractions or, you know, all these, you know, accusations going on with Michigan, you know, it's not like if they do win, the title's going to be tainted in any way. Like they're still going to be celebrated as, as, you know, champions. So anyway, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, Ed. Absolutely, Ed, and I appreciate you guys having me on. As always, it's a good time. Um, I agree with everything you're saying about the distractions and what happens if they win and all those things. For the purposes of this game, I could not be more excited. I do the watchability scores every week, 0 to 10 scale. This game registers as a 9.9. It is it is impossible mm. to get more excited <laughs> about a game than I am for this one. You're, you're looking at average quality. You're looking at projected competitiveness. This game is off the charts in both of those metrics. I've written and talked about pretty extensively why I don't think Michigan deserves to be ranked where the committee has them ranked right now. They just haven't played enough. Um, They've dominated their schedule, but they haven't played enough uh, teams to to deserve that. That'll change this week. And this is a really good Michigan football team. For the third consecutive week, they're number one in both my power ratings and my relative scoring margin metric. So basically – they are dominating their schedule more than any other team is dominating its schedule relative to what would be expected of the average top 25 team against any of those schedules. So it's a way of saying, okay, I don't really care who you've played. Let's normalize it and say, how would we expect a team to play against this schedule? And Michigan is just off the charts on that. So it's a really good football team. They're going to get tested this week for sure. It's the number one defense in the nation for me, this Michigan defense. They've been there for nearly half the year. The offense is top five. They have a chance to finish number one in my power ratings for the first time since 1964. I mean, it's been 50, 60 years since they were number one in my power ratings at the end of the year. This team has the potential to do that. They have a stiff test this week, as you mentioned. Penn State, for me, power rated number four, certainly the biggest test that, that Michigan's faced all year. The Nittany Lions are number three in my relative scoring margin metric that Michigan leads the country in, so they're doing very well against their schedule as well. The number four defensive unit. The question for me, guys, in this game, as it's really been all year for Penn State, can this Mm -hmm. Drew Aller-led offense, and they're number 22 by my numbers, can they score enough points in this game to get the win? The last time we saw Penn State, and the only time this year we've seen Penn State play a game that they didn't have a massive talent advantage, it was on the road at Ohio State. They only scored one touchdown in that game. It came very late in the fourth quarter, if you'll remember. 
This one's at home in front of their fans, a very raucous environment. Michigan's got to be thankful. It's not a night game, but we got big noon kickoff, of course. Um, it's still going to be a tough environment. Can that Penn State offense score enough points? My numbers suggest maybe not so, but I've got it closer than Vegas. I've got Michigan minus one in this game, uh, 53% wow. chance that, that Michigan wins it outright. Uh, Kelly, I wanted to ask you about a couple of angles that are certainly being discussed a lot, and maybe you think they they shouldn't be. Uh, maybe it's part of the noise. It's hard to remove last year from your brain and what we saw with that drubbing, right? 300-yard uh, gap between the two teams, running all over Penn State for Michigan. It's hard to remove that. And the other thing that's challenging is James Franklin against top teams, top five, whatever, you know, trend that you want to cite top against top five against top 10 against Michigan and Penn State since you joined Penn State it's an awful record it's an awful record so I'm assuming that your numbers don't look at either of those things do you as a human that's true the model does not and Joe yes I do and that's a part of my considerations here for last year Penn State's a better team this year than they were last year that's first and foremost the game's also in Happy Valley as opposed to in the big house I think that's an important factor too and I actually wrote about this this week and I've talked about it as well the the James Franklin can't win the quote-unquote big games uh narrative and it's not undeserved to this point that has been true mm -hmm. we have to keep in mind there was a time really not too long ago where that exact same thing was said about Jim Harbaugh. And until 2021, when he knocked off these teams and went to the Big Ten Championship, won that game, went to the CFP, now he can't lose to these teams seemingly. So at some point, I just think James Franklin's too good of a coach for that narrative not to change at some point. Will it be in this game? Maybe, maybe not. But we also have to remember moving forward, Big Ten's ditching division starting next year. He won't have to play Michigan and Ohio State every single regular season. So he's going to get helped out by the schedule a little bit there. And this could be his best chance to get a win. He's at home. He's got a really good team. It's just can that offense do enough, like I said. But those are absolutely things that college football fans and handicappers and betters need to keep in mind because that is, that is an important um, kind of ancillary part of this game. I want to ask you about Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama coming off back-to-back double-digit wins. This spread at 10.5. What does your model have it at? Yeah, yeah, Aaron, it's a it's a great question. And Alabama, to me, I was talking with Ed before we came on the show live here. They're a team that's very interesting, and I think they're really hitting their stride. So I've got this game as I pull up the Alabama dashboard at Alabama minus 14. Alabama's number five mm. in my power ratings. I believe they're a top four resume ranking deserving right now. The committee seemingly is saying, well, the teams that have a zero and a loss column deserve to be ranked higher. I disagree with that, but that's a conversation for another show, I'm sure. Um, this Alabama team, <laughs> top, top six defense, top 20 offense. Um, it's maybe not as dominant as the Alabama teams that we've seen historically under Nick Saban. But as I talked about before with Alabama and Georgia, they don't need to be better than the previous versions of themselves. They need to be better than the teams they're playing here in 2023. And my numbers suggest that they are. I've got a 67% chance that Alabama finishes the regular season 11 and one and rolls into Atlanta against presumably Georgia in what should be about a pick em game for me currently. But you're right, Aaron. The big thing here for Alabama is, can you avoid the letdown? Because last week it was an emotional game. You got a big win against a good opponent. It was a revenge game for you. Can you get back up for a road trip to Lexington, Kentucky, of all places, against a Kentucky team that's, you know, they're not bad. This isn't a, a bad Kentucky program anymore. What Stoops has done there is pretty darn good. He's got one of the best jobs in college football, I think, in terms of what he gets paid and where he gets to play versus the expectation level that he has every year. So good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. Kentucky's number 36 in my power rankings. I like Alabama by about two scores, but they need to avoid that letdown, as you said. 
maybe a tough question to answer here, but it's November the 9th right now. We just had a, another set of college football rankings come out Tuesday night. And of course, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, you know, usual suspects uh, still leading this list. I'm curious when it comes to say, when is the gelatin set for college football teams? Because when it comes to, you know, the evolution, we're always saying, okay, these are 19, 20, 21 year old kids playing football. Okay, fine. But at what point do we really know the quality of these teams to where we can comfortably say this team is better than that team? Whereas maybe, you know, the last couple of weeks, some teams can still be a work in progress. Maybe there's still some room for growth offensively and defensively. On the whole, when do you feel like we have a really good idea of what to expect going forward for the rest of the season and into bowl season? Yeah, Ed, that's such a good question and something that I spend probably an inordinate amount of time on with the power ratings every summer trying to figure out, you know, the weighting of phasing out preseason and do you weight the most recent games more heavily and if so, by how much and all that. By this point, and there's always exceptions, there's exceptions to every rule, but by this point, we have a pretty good handle on every single team in college football from a power rating standpoint. And because of that, we can feel good about the credit that we are assigning to teams in their resume building as they win and lose games here in November. So I think we've passed that inflection point of there's still unknowns about this team versus we feel pretty good about it. Again, teams get hot late. We see it all the time. Um, there'll be teams here and there where They'll fall off the map or they'll really start to play better because something has changed. But for the most part, 90, 95% of teams, we can feel pretty darn good about where we have them power rated at this point. And teams, you see that in the, the power ratings, teams aren't moving more than, you know, one, sometimes two. It takes a lot for a team to move more than maybe two football points per game from week to week at this stage of the season. Whereas early on in the year, you're getting swings potentially of upwards of seven points. I mean, a whole touchdown based on as you phase out preseason and as you replace that with in-season, if it's drastically different than what your preseason expectations were for a team. Okay, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, the the adjustments and what is extreme. Because if there is an ex, a team that you could downgrade a ton, you would think, is a team that just fired their defensive coordinator this week, USC. Alex Grinch is out, and they, they might – lose out here they're a 15 point underdog to Oregon uh, can you talk about how much you've downgraded the Trojans and how much of a mismatch this is yeah and Joe you're absolutely right so as I go to the the um, USC dashboard here USC's currently power rated number 17 their raw power rating is 14.5 those are both season lows for USC. So they have been downgraded um, to the point that this is the lowest they've been all year. Um, it's a full almost nine points lower than their high watermark of this year, which was going into week three after they were 3-0 and coming into an off week. Um, so this team's been downgraded significantly since the beginning of the season. Uh, they came into the year in, in number eight in the power ratings. Again, now they're 17. The offense has not been the problem. I preseason, I had them number two. They spent a, the, really the first third of the season actually at number one. They are currently number two again for me. But the defense, as you mentioned, they came into the year number 54 projections. I had questions about a handful of Pac-12 defenses. And it was really, you know, of those top teams, who is going to answer those questions on that side of the ball the best? They're going to have a good chance to win this conference and to potentially make the CFP. USC did not answer the bell. Uh, they are currently number 85 on the defensive side of the ball. The, the firing that took place, it's hard to argue with that when you look at the results of this team. And just not even just the results, just the number five, 85 unit ranking this is USC. I'm not saying you got to be top 10 every year. There's really no excuse for the USC Trojans and just the standing that they have in college football 
to ever be as low as number 85 on either side of the ball. It makes it all the worse because they have reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, presumably number one pick, and that high-powered offense. It feels as if they've wasted that because the defense wasn't able to hold up their end of the bargain. So USC's definitely been downgraded throughout the course of the year, and they are a team, Joe. If I could manually make additional downgrades, I've said before, I would probably put them even lower than number 17, but I don't do that to the model. That's why I leave people um, to do that on their own and, and make those observations with what the numbers say. Hmm, I love that. Give me another team where maybe the arrow is pointing up that people might not be expecting that you have, and then maybe one that's pointing down. The, the arrow's pointing up, and I'll go right to the team USC is playing this week. And I actually, now that I think about it, I think Joe even asked the question. I spent too long on USC. I didn't get to it. Oregon. You can make the case nobody's yeah. playing better than Oregon the, the, the past month of this season. No team has been upgraded more from preseason to current than the Oregon Ducks. 10.2 points, more than, than 10 points. I have upgraded Oregon from preseason to current. They're currently my number three power rated team um, in the entire country. And again, you could make the case that they are that they are even better than that. Um, currently, they do have the loss to Washington, so they're still fighting to secure their spot in the Pac-12 championship game. But right now, if they were to play Washington in that game, Aaron, my numbers would make the Ducks a seven-point favorite in that game. Uh, so for me, that's a team that definitely the arrows pointed straight up. It, a team that the arrows pointed down, I mean, if I'm looking holistically at college football, no team's been downgraded more than Baylor this year. It's been a really tough year in Waco for Dave Aranda, a coach that I really like, um, but they just haven't had the results and the performances that we expected. You know, Michigan State, that's another one, and they had some off-the-field stuff obviously going on earlier this year from the Power 5 levels, another one that's been disappointing. Pitt, Minnesota, those are other teams that have been disappointing. But if I go to kind of the top of the power ratings and who's kind of trending in the wrong direction right now, it's Oklahoma um, for me. And again, they're losing games here recently. And so people will say, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. But it started, the downward trend started before they started losing. You know, remember they beat UCF um, by just a couple points at home before they started picking up losses. So that's a team that as recently as just a few weeks ago, I mean, maybe a month ago now at this point, as I pull up their dashboard, I had as high as number two in the power ratings and they spent multiple weeks at number two. Um, they're now number 10 and they're sliding in the wrong direction. It's happening at a bad time. They're on the outside looking in now into the, in the big 12 championship game, which I would not have expected just a couple weeks ago. They're not out of it yet by any means, but they, they are on the outside looking in. They need a little bit of help and they need to take care of their own business. So still a good team, just trending in the wrong direction, Aaron. Got about a minute left here. Ole Miss and Georgia. The dogs are at home. They're 10 and a half point favorites with a total of 58 and a half. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'll keep it quick here. My numbers like Georgia by about seven. So I, I like it. I like Ole Miss a little bit more than Vegas does. 69% chance for Georgia to win this game. The question for me in this game, um, Georgia's got the best units in the game, both offense and defense. The Ole Miss offense is, is really good. I have them currently number 10. So I expect they're going to be able to put up a fight and, and score some points against the Georgia defense. The question is, this Ole Miss defense, they're good but not great. I've got a number 29. And is that going to be good enough at Georgia to slow down the Georgia offense enough times, get enough stops to allow that Ole Miss offense the opportunities they need to score the points that they will to win this game. The only other time we've seen an Ole Miss defense go up against a top 20 offense on the road this season, it was at Alabama in week four. That's the only loss that Ole Miss has on their resume. So that's kind of the common or the, the similar profile opponent I'm looking at here. And it didn't go well for Ole Miss last time. Did they learn enough in Tuscaloosa that they can apply that in Athens this week? Also, just side note for Ole Miss, gosh, you got to go to Alabama and Georgia in the same year. Who did they take off in the SEC <laughs> office? I'll tell you what, that is tough, man. But it's a really good Ole Miss team, and I'm looking forward to that game for sure. 9.6 on the watchability score, number two game of the week. 
And of course, they do it just before they go to a 12-team playoff. So way to go, Rebs. <laughs> way to go. Kelly Ford of the Lions.com. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our favorite plays for this weekend's college football slate. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.